0: If you're turning with me in your Bibles, I'm going to be starting in 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Today I want to talk to you about an infected thorn. An infected thorn and some pig food. And I want to show you what grace does and we'll see how much of that we see how much of that we get to you know when something gets infected how painful it is and it not only man I got a thorn in my hand it's still a little bit red last week and it was fine I mean it hurt a little bit when it went in it was down there when I was taking care of the pigs and it caught my hand and I said, ah, that hurt. Well, I didn't realize it went in pretty deep and didn't just come out and it got infected and then my whole hand got sore and started hurting all around it and you know what happens when something gets infected. So, the scripture we're about to read, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you've already heard it. I'm sure. But it's where Paul is talking about that thorn. That thorn in his flesh that he was asking God, please God, remove it. And God said, my grace is sufficient. And I think we all have thorns. We all have things in our flesh. We all have problems and weaknesses and things that we have to overcome and things that God can work through. But the problem is when we allow we allow them to become infected, then they start affecting us in negative ways and they start hurting other situations, and it's all we can think about, and it's all we can talk about, and it's all... It it becomes number one on our mind, in our conversations, and every time it's, oh, Lord, here he comes again. He's going to talk about his thorn. Why? Because it's infected. Because it hurts. Because we're not allowing God's grace to be enough. He said, my... well." Let's go ahead and read the scripture before I keep talking about it. Let's read what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn. Thank you. A thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet, now that's not buffet, to buffet me. It's a term used um, for fighting, for like boxing. So a sparring partner. So like when I was getting ready for Brawl for a Cause, I used Joe to buffet me. It's a sparring partner used to hit you for the purpose of training, to prepare you, to get you ready so that you could face the danger to come. You'd be able to withstand your opponent in the ring so, Paul says, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet or to prepare me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So I didn't get a big hit. Verse 8 For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient, or my grace is enough for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me sometimes we pray and we don't get what we want but we get grace Paul was praying that God would remove this thing out of his life. Hey, God, take it away. He prayed it three times. Take it away. Take it away. And he didn't get what he wanted. He didn't get the thing removed. God said, no. What I am going to do is give you grace. And my grace is enough. So... However much of this message we get to. (laughs) His grace is enough. It's enough for your situation. It's enough for your problem. It's enough for whatever you're going through. And a lot of times we believe that God's grace is enough for somebody else. I believe God's grace is enough for you. I preach that God's grace is enough for your situation, but... Sometimes it's harder to believe that it's enough for me. For my situation. God's grace is enough. It's enough for your freedom. God's grace is enough. So sometimes when we pray, we don't get what we're praying for. We don't get what we're asking for. This past Wednesday, I was in a meeting with a with Pastor Bruce and the affiliates, some other ministry leaders. And, and me and Bruce were talking before it started. And we were talking about that just like as pastors, how you get that question of why. Why'd God let this happen? Why'd God put this situation in my life? Why, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? I almost said that wrong. I caught it. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? So I said, Bruce, please tell me. You're wise. You've been in the ministry for a long time. What's your great answer for that? You know what he said to me? One of the most powerful things I've learned to say to people that ask me why is, I don't know, but I'm going to walk with you. and We're going to find out together. I don't know. Can't explain it, but I'll go with you. I'll walk with you, and we'll figure it out. The power of grace is realized through relationship, walking with each other. 125 times that I can find. The word grace is found throughout the Bible. Grace. It's so important. And there are four different kinds of grace. And I want to look at some, just some different kinds of grace because I feel like if we don't understand grace, then we'll never experience the power of grace the way that we could. I want to talk about one in particular today, so I'm just going to give you all four of them, but then we'll talk about one. The The first one is kind of the, the obvious one. Ephesians 3 talks about it, but it's a saving grace. Ephesians 3 tells us that uh, it's by grace that you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's, it's the saving grace. It's our salvation. Saved us from our sin. The second one, scripture teaches us about a justifying grace that makes it just as if you had never sinned, a justifying grace that, that justifies you and so that when God looks at you, He doesn't see sin, He sees His Son. It's the empathy. You know, Jesus, God had so much empathy on mankind for humans that he literally got into a human body. Empathy is being able to take yourself and put it in someone else's shoes so you understand how they feel. God did that. Third kind of grace that scripture teaches us about is called a teaching grace. Grace that teaches you and grows you. You can go read about it in um, Titus two, talks about a teaching grace that teaches us or grows us Now, a lot of times we don't want to hear about that teaching grace no I'm under grace so I can do what I want to do I can do what I feel like you, you don't know what grace is you don't even know the meaning of grace if that's your attitude or that's what you say the third kind of grace is a teaching grace a grace that's not okay with you staying where you are fourth one last one, one we're going to talk about for a few minutes, is an enabling grace. It's the power to do what you cannot do on your own, an enabling grace. That's the grace that God was talking about to Paul here. My grace is enough. My power, my grace is sufficient for this problem. It's enough. This grace is your power as a Christian. Jesus was the personification of grace. Jesus was our picture of grace. So we look at his life and we looked at how he lived his life. And we can go read the gospels of of Jesus' life. And you will see every one of those graces that I just told you lived out through Jesus. The saving grace, the the justifying grace, the teaching grace. He was the teacher and the enabling grace, the power. You can see it all through Jesus's life. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay, if you need to get across a big giant mud pit and I say, my truck is sufficient for you my truck's probably not because it's not four wheel drive but you get the point my truck is sufficient for you to get through this problem here it is and the keys are in it God take away this mud pit this is Paul God take away the mud pit and God said through my son I gave you this vehicle called grace My truck is sufficient to get you through the mud pit. It's made perfect for your situation. But guess what? You must get in my truck. You've got to get in the truck or you're going to get muddy. So many of us say, I'm a Christian, thank you, God, for your saving grace. Even thank you, God, for your justifying grace. But when it comes to the grace, the power, the the truck, we say, Thank you, God, for your grace, and we run through the mud. And we keep running back in the mud. And we're forgiven, and we're loved, and we're going to heaven, but we're dirty. Because we're running in the mud you'll say things like because of Dusty's truck I can get through the mud because of grace I can do what I want no see you've got to get in the truck you've got to access the enabling grace or the power that the Holy Spirit brings into your life you ever heard people say, "God won't give you more than you can bear," right? Hey, psh, wrong. God will give you so much it will break you, and and that comes from a misquoted scripture um, in First Corinthians ten. I don't think I gave it to PowerPoint, but he will. In fact, my whole life is more than I can handle. I think that God always gives you more than you can handle or more than you can bear. So you need him and you need other people. Why would God only give you what you could handle on your own? Because then you could just live on your own. that that goes against everything that we believe and we preach and we teach that we're community beings and that God created us with a need for Him and a need for other people and a need for church and connection, then He does give you more than you can handle on your own. So you will have to reach out to Him and other people. You will have to rely on grace. You will have to have His power or you won't make it. I'm going to Let me read you that scripture real fast. It's 1 Corinthians 13. This is where people pull that from when they say, God won't give you more than you can handle or more than you can bear. This is the scripture that that comes from. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. He's talking about temptation. But God is faithful. It will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. He's talking about temptation, about sin. And he's saying, You'll never be tempted, there's always a way out. But that doesn't mean you're not going to be given some hard things in life that you can't bear alone. He'll give you more than you can handle. Isn't that good news? Yay, thank you, Pastor. (laughs) He was talking about temptation. God will give you more than, than you can bear. But guess what? When it's time to go to the next level... You usually get a hard test. Maybe the hardest test you've gotten up until that point to see if you're ready to make it to the next level. You know how you lift more weight? Lift heavier weights over and over and over. and it'll tear you down But it's making you stronger. Seems like there's a lot of weight on me. Maybe God's trying to get you stronger. This is a hard test. God, why are you throwing this at me? Maybe you're about to advance to a new level. Well, this is a harder test than my brother had to take. Maybe you're going somewhere. He's not ready to go. You think you need a prophetic word from God. No. You don't. You didn't do anything with the last word he gave you. You need to obey. It's simple. Simple steps of obedience. If you won't be faithful with the small things, why would God give you more? Bible says that, not me. why am I still in first grade spiritually because you haven't passed first grade yet you haven't done the simple things that he's told you to do you won't walk in obedience and consistency why grab this marker <laughs> oh yeah I, know. yeah I know why I grabbed that marker I was about to ask y'all something I need somebody to solve this problem I know there's some smart people in this room if I was a college professor, this is the problems I would give. Okay, I need somebody to solve this problem right here. I don't know, if, hopefully y'all can see that. Can you see it? What? what? Does anybody know the answer? Four, okay. Know the answer. Two plus two is four. You may laugh and think, what an easy question. That's dumb. Everybody knows that. Even most little kids can get that. Doesn't matter if you knew the answer. Doesn't matter if you think it was a dumb question. Doesn't matter if you think it was simple. You didn't solve it because you didn't get up and walk down here and write four. Well, that's easy. I'm talking about, I've been praying. I was asking God for something better. And and God's like, I asked you for something simple and you haven't done that. But you, I gave you a simple test. I I just asked you to show up and serve and you couldn't even do that. Like you gave up. I, I, I just, I asked you to tithe and you can't even do that. I asked you and you fill in the blank. Well, that's dumb. Everybody knows that. You have to get up and go write it down. You have gotta pass the test. It, it doesn't matter if you know the answer. It, it does no good to have the knowledge if you never walk it out. You gotta write it down. So here's my question for you. What are you doing? What is it? What are you doing? Every day. You should be growing spiritually. Your spiritual growth, you should be growing and learning and expanding and like So what are you doing to grow? You giving, reading? How's your prayer life or are you serving anybody other than yourself? Are, are you loving people? Are you shining your light? Are you in the word? Are you like how how are you growing? What are you doing daily to grow yourself spiritually? Well, I'm in a season of waiting, Pastor. I'm on hold. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. All right? Let's read that. Isaiah 40. I'm reading read it to you in the Message Bible. God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch His breath. And He knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. Good. He gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind how do you run, fly, walk, and not grow weary? We just read it. You wait. Well, that makes no sense. I'm out upon wings like eagle, run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. How you do it? You wait. What? How am I going to run if I'm waiting? i got to fly if I'm waiting because that word that was translated wait, it's a Hebrew word and the meaning of it is to hope in to be gathered to hope for, to look for to seek, to gather wait, look hope they that gather that's what we're doing right now that look that seek, that hope that's what we do, we gather we wait we look for God we hope for the future then what then we gather again and we look for him again and we hope we wait that's describes church we wait this is what waiting on God looks like A football player waiting on the ball to snap. To me that's what waiting on God looks like. Ready to explode. Now the thing is if you think about a football player, a good football player, every fiber of their being is ready to explode as soon as they hear the call. Or they see that ball move so much so that sometimes they just can't hold it and they jump off sides. They hit somebody before it's time because they're just, everything in them is just mm, about to explode. But guess what? They're prepared, they've been in the gym for years and years and years. Working out, doing specific workouts and specific training. and They've been eating certain foods. The linemen have eaten a lot of different kinds of foods. The ones that are supposed to be fast, like a running back, they've been eating maybe some different kind of food than the linemen. But specific to their calling, their diet has been lined up. Guess what? They've also listened to a lot of coaching. They've stopped some bad habits started some good habits, put some good patterns in place. They've sat and watched film on the thing that will be attacking them. The opposing team, they've sat and watched film on them. They've learned. They're fully prepared. Ready to go. Ready to move. The sad thing is that sometimes... A lot of times we say we're waiting on God. We're waiting on the call from God. We're, we're waiting on the ball to snap. But we have not prepared. We have not been in the gym. We have not listened to the correction or the coaching that God has put in our life. We've not even watched game film on our opponent. And we're set, ready. Come on, God. Where you at? Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. Where you at? I thought something big would've happened by now. And we're not prepared. God give me influence. God give me power. God. Give me money, God. Give me a spouse, God. Give me a ministry, God. Make my ministry better, God. Give me kids, God. Give me a job, God. Just give me a shot. I'm ready. Give me a shot. I'll take it. But if he snapped the ball, you would be destroyed, you would be embarrassed, you would taste defeat because you have not obeyed in the little things and prepared for what's in front of you. I heard this story about um, this place put an ad in the newspaper um, for a job opening and they were looking for someone that could understand, send... Uh, read Morse code and so they told when to come in for the job interview and so all these people show up for the job interview and this guy shows up and he walks into this office and they said just wait in the waiting room and there are guys there's a big line of guys starting from the desk who got there first a big huge line and they're just sitting in chairs all around like they've been there for a while so he just takes his spot in the line and he sits down And in a few minutes, he just stands up, walks past all the other people that are in line, walks up to the receptionist and said, I'd like to go to the back for the job interview. She said, okay. She opens up the door and takes him back, and the other guys are like, what? The world? A few minutes later, somebody walks out the door and says, thank you all for showing up. The position's been filled by the guy that just came in the back. So now these people are upset, they're mad. And it turns out that over the loudspeaker in the lobby was Morse code. And it said, if you understand this, get up, go to the receptionist and tell her you're here for the job and the job is yours. all these guys were there to get a job because they understood Morse code they were waiting I'm waiting on my opportunity I'm waiting on my shot I'm waiting on my job but they weren't listening sitting in line I'm waiting but they weren't paying attention waiting is listening waiting in the spirit is translating it's understanding what God is saying it's listening he's always talking we're just not listening I'm waiting on God he's waiting on you listen it's listening it's, it's translating it's proving last week we talked about the scripture that says I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten remember we talked about that Psalm last week years of loss years of waiting so i want to look at that today it's joel 2 joel 2:25 2, the children of israel were in disobedience and they went through some years of loss and this is God telling him that he was going to restore them through the prophet. I'm going to restore that which was lost. And in verse 25 it says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Wait a minute. That was God talking. And we talk about that verse a lot. In fact, I talked about it last week. And we talk about how God's going to restore that which was lost. That the years that were wasted, the years of loss, the things that that we lost, that God will restore them. We talk about that we don't ever talk about the fact that it says when God talked about all them locusts and all the worms and caterpillars and stuff, then he called them my great army. So God sent them. They were his army. They were under his command. You see, he sent the locusts because of their disobedience. But he had a plan. And he was going to restore to them everything that was lost. Because he's not stuck on a timeline like we talked about last week. Disobedience triggered the locust. And the grace of God. its By his grace. The grace of God will restore. God allowed it. Or sent the locust. To get you on track. Some of you might say, "Well, I've wasted I've wasted so much time. I, I've wasted so many years. I, I look back on my life and there's just been wasted moments, missed opportunities, wasted time. There is no change in regret. You'll never change living in the world of regret. There is change in repentance. I get it. You wasted some time. Me too. I've wasted time. I get it. You weren't there for your kids. I know you wasted time on an addiction. But now you can change it. See, God will not only add years to your life. He'll add life to your years. It's not about time. God can restore everything that you've wasted. God can restore it all. I told the the worship team last week that I I heard this guy telling a story um, about his wife, and first of all, this guy's late everywhere he goes. He's always late. Doesn't care. He might be ten minutes, twenty minutes late. He just shows up when he can, when he gets there, and always. So, his wife made him a doctor's appointment, and this was a pretty important doctor's appointment. And she told him, "Your appointment's at nine o'clock." You've never been to this hospital. You've got to check in. You've got to fill out the paperwork, so you need to be there on time. In fact, you need to try to get there a few minutes early in case there's a lot of paperwork for you to fill out or whatever. You need to be there at 9. Please, promise me you're going to do this. You're going to get there on time, because I'm going to work. I'm not going to be around to make sure you leave on time. Like He said, I promise. I got it. I'm an adult. I got this. Next day, rolls around, dude gets up, starts getting dressed, realizes, oh, shoot, it's almost 9 o'clock. Hurried up and runs down the stairs to put on his shoes, and they can't find his keys, and gets out the door. Long story short, he said he showed up at the hospital, couldn't find where to park, gets in there, jumps out. It's 9.20. He said, oh, that's not too bad, considering what all the problems I had this morning. Runs in and finds the receptionist desk, and he goes up to her, and he said, hey, my name is blah, 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 and uh, I've got an appointment for 9 a.m. She looks in the computer and said, no, sir, you don't have an appointment for 9 a.m. And he's like, yeah, my wife made the appointment. She was very adamant that I make sure I'll be here on time. I, I have an appointment for 9 a.m. The lady said, no, you don't. And what was your full name again? And I'll just search. I'll look by your name, not by the time. And so he gave her his full name, and she typed it into the computer, and, and she pulled it up said, Oh. Well, you do have an appointment, sir, but your appointment's at 10. He said, do what? At that moment, he realized his wife had lied to him. Well, the lady said, oh, well, this is great because I've got all this paperwork that you have to fill out. So it's actually a good thing that you're here this early. Go sit down right over there and fill out all this paperwork. And so he went and filled out the paperwork and he turned it back in, in time for his appointment. And he got seen and, and everything was okay. Now, he talks about, he was talking about the fact that he was so mad at his wife. But I can't believe she would deceive me and lie to me like that. and Tell me the appointment was at nine like I'm some like I couldn't. I'm not a man and I couldn't do what I said I'm going to do and show up on time. You weren't. She was right. Like you, she should have done that. She did the right thing, he was mad and then he realized that she just factored in his faults. She knew him well enough to know where he was going to mess up and she factored that into the plan, wait a minute, isn't that what grace does? Isn't that what God does? See, you thought you were late. You thought because of your mistakes, your addiction, your faults, your divorce, your whatever. See, you thought you wasted time, you wasted years, you you thought you showed up late for the appointment or the purpose that God had for your life. But I'm going to tell you today, That God factored in your humanity. God knew you were going to mess up. God knew you were going to spend two years dating an idiot. Word of knowledge. I don't know who that was for. Right? God knew that you would mess up. He knew that you weren't going to obey Him the first time He called you. factored that into the plan he knew brother that you would things that you would leave when things got hard because he knew how bad I would need reinforcements when you got back God factors in our humanity That's what Romans 8 28 was talking about when he said that God works all things together for good. Well, even if I messed up, yeah, he knew you were going to mess up. Get up. That's what grace does. Grace says, I will restore. Look at it, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good. To them that, man, I want all things to work together for good for me. I want everything that happens in my life to work together for good. So, who do all things work together for good for? Well, he's about to tell us to them that love God. I love God. The number one response of love is to give. So, if I love God, I must be giving to God time, talents, treasures, serving humanity. I love God. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, he works all things together for our good. He factors in our humanity and he works it together for our good. Jesse, how long have I been gone? The so rest is going for next week. <laughs> I was going to talk to you about the prodigal son, and that's why I didn't get to the pig food part. So it was good too. Almost got myself saved. Trust me. You want to come next week and hear it. <laughs> Was going to be good too. I was going to talk to you about the fact that I'm going to tell you what I was going to talk to you about real fast and then we're going to pray close. Okay, so I was going to talk to you about the fact that that the son was eating at the father's table and he was eating really good food, right? And Jesus told the story of the prodigal son and then he left and we read the story and we see that he was out there and he was feeding the pigs and the pig food started looking good to him. And I have pigs at my house and you know what you feed pigs? Nasty stuff. Disgusting stuff. Stuff that the dog won't eat. Stuff that Titus won't eat. I'm serious. It's hard to believe. (laughs) Pigs eat nasty stuff. And it was starting to look good to him. He was wanting to eat it. And I was going to talk to you about the Never mind. Come back next week. That's your teaser. We're going to talk about pig food and clothing and that God has enough. The Father has enough for you. There's enough grace. There's enough food at the table. The best robe is yours. Pray. God, 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 we love you. How we thank you. Thank you that you have enough for us. And thank you for saving grace. Thanks for paying the price for us. Thank you for the word that you gave us today that you will restore and that you'll factor in our humanity and that you knew we were going to mess up before we even messed up and you already worked it out. God, we're waiting on you. We're listening. We're preparing. We want to make an impact on the world that you've placed us in. God, we love you. We're listening for your voice. And we're going to do what you've told us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.